Leaders in Worship Podcast, Episode 29. Welcome back to the Leaders in Worship Podcast, the podcast to equip, connect, and develop leaders in worship ministry. We do this by equipping leaders with the right tools, connecting them with like-minded vision and people, and developing their ability to lead effectively. Welcome back to the Leaders in Worship podcast. I'm Matt Perkins. I want to thank you for listening today. Today we have a great episode. It is unlike any one that we have done, and I'm excited to share it with you. Um, I will let you know right off the top that the audio quality of the interview, it all started out when I was having lunch with two longtime friends of mine and worship pastors and we just started sharing in the middle of a restaurant. We were having lunch and started talking about ministry and how to approach mentoring other worship leaders, how to approach budgets, how to approach changes in your ministry function and your role in ministry. And so we just had a conversation. In the middle of that conversation, I uh, just said, hey, this would be great to share with our listeners, and so it turned on a recorder, so you're going to hear a lot of background noise in the middle of a restaurant, but I hope that today you would look past some of the extra noise and listen to the content of these two great friends of mine, Mike Justice, who is a worship pastor in Fort Myers, Florida, and Devin Webb, who is a worship leader, a worship pastor, he's been a recording artist, and is just a... uh, these two guys are great friends. Devin is now moving into a new season in life where he is going to be planting a church in the Nashville area. And so I hope that you would take the time and listen to this conversation between three worship leaders as we talk about life, ministry, mentoring, and budgets. Well, the first question that you will hear is, how do you give feedback to a new worship leader, and when do you give it? And so now we're going to go right to this conversation as Mike Justice begins sharing how he gives feedback to new worship leaders starting out in their ministry. Well, there's a couple different parts of it. The first thing is the culture of the church, like we've talked about. It's, um, it's critical that you're in a situation where, as the music pastor or the music leader, you have the freedom to use people who are in the process of developing their gifts. That's critical. So I'm not being scrutinized by my pastor in regards to what they're doing. The input into their leadership is coming directly from me as a worship leader. Mm. It's not because the pastor says, you need to talk to so-and-so about their worship leading and get them to do this. So I have a carte blanche to use whoever I want to use to lead worship. My pastor never asks me who's leading worship this weekend, ever. And I don't think I've ever had, in the six years that I've been there, I've never had the same person lead two weeks in a row. And I've probably got five or six different worship leaders. Well, and that's the the difference in the culture where you're at is 
now you're in a position where you've been there for six years, but you're not actively leading, even though you're in that role as worship pastor, you're not leading every week. Right. But I, I do, well, so when I do lead, it's intentional. I'm leading as a demonstration to my worship leaders. And so I want them to watch what I do. I want them to see how I transition songs. I want them to see how I engage the audience. I want to see how the, how the music flows so that when it's their turn, they have a model to follow. Because you can't have a trainer follow a trainer, follow a trainee, follow a trainee, follow a trainee, follow a trainee. At some point, somebody has to be in that mix who can demonstrate the right way. Otherwise, everybody's learning from the wrong person or they're not learning it right, if that makes sense. So. I, I mix up the worship leaders with those who have a better grasp of it to those who need more direction. And, and some have it and some don't. But uh, before any direction can be given to these guys or ladies, it has to be a culture where the people who lead worship know that I'm going to be talking to them as soon as the service is over if there's anything that needs to be adjusted or changed. And they need to have that heart and attitude that they want to receive that because they want to be a better worship leader. So when you have that conversation, what's covered in that conversation? Well, do you sit and watch it? I mean, do you sit and watch the service? I'm or is playing it piano usually. No, I mean, no, you, on the, when like when you're doing the evaluation, oh, well, the do you sit and watch it or no? I, no. Because most of the things that I address, they know they did. Yeah. Yep. So it's not like I have to show them what they did. They, yeah. they know what they did. They know yeah. if they stumbled over a transition. The, the key thing that I... Uh, the key situations and issues that I've seen that, that are repeated are, are simply issues of them getting their thoughts out effectively. They know what they want to say, they know what they want to do. All of them are great vocalists, so it's typically never a vocal issue. If I ever have to address a vocal issue, it's always this, sing melody. Because a lot of times the worship leaders will switch to a harmony or some type of an ad-lib. Ad-libbing is fine as a fill, but you're the worship leader, so lead what they're supposed to be singing. And sometimes they'll talk through a transition too long and the worship team will start singing the song. They're the leader again. They need to be singing that first line. Yeah. You know, They need to sing the first line of the chorus. They can ad-lib and, and add things in there, but not at a loss of the worship leading. So I tell them, own the leadership, lead it vocally with the melody, and then in speaking in the transitions, it's don't make it so mechanical, you know, that it's like, I have to say these things to get to the next song. Let the spirit lead you in that, but connect, make it make a connection. You know, you're not yelling at them, you're not, you know, it's just, you're exhorting the congregation, you're leading them on a journey, you're walking them through this, you're walking them through these songs because God wants to do something in their heart. And so, say what you need to say to bridge all that. And that's where most of the... I love what you said earlier, though, that they wouldn't be leading if they didn't have the heart to ask, what could I do better? They wouldn't even be yeah. leading right. if they didn't already have that in them. Yeah. And that's part of your culture that you've created. But right, and one of the worship leaders I use is a, is a 40, 42, 43-year-old guy who's been a soloist yeah. his whole life. And so, being a soloist is very different than being a worship leader. Yeah, it's true. A soloist, everything is in a box, and pretty that's, much. That's a danger where a lot of people might have gotten a job because they're a great soloist. Exactly. And now when they get in that position, they're like, oh, wait a second. Well, their, their only reference or context has been, 
I'm going to get up and wow the people with my voice. Right. Where now, if the only goal is to wow them with my voice, then we're failing miserably as a worship leader. If all they go away thinking is, that's a great singer, right? well, then now we're totally missing the boat. But that's what that's what their previous yeah. uh, reference point is. Devin, so, you were talking about when, you, when you're meeting with guys yep. and you're getting feedback, yeah. what are the things that you see? The, one of the most reoccurring things are transitions. And I think transitions are crucial to a mic already touched on it, but the the whole set having some cohesiveness to it. He's very thematic in his worship sets, but even what to say, when to say it, when to feel comfortable not saying anything. Um, you know, one of the things we talk, it's never a bad default to go to the Word. <laughs> it's not like there's plenty of exhortation throughout all of the Bible that is driven by worship. So. Uh, you don't have to be saying, like Mike was just saying, it's not like you have to be coming up with something unique or mechanical to say, but you should already have the word in you already as a worshiper. So in times of worship, it shouldn't be out of the ordinary for the word to come out of you when the presence of God is among you. So, and that brings up the need to the need for discipling our teams, yeah. not just build great musicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to be excellent at our craft, but if we're not seeing discipleship happen, if you have people that have been on the team for five years and they're still hitting the same, you're still having to make the same conversations that you don't yes, want to have. Exactly. You know, something's wrong. Yeah. And the great, the great value of being able to develop worship leaders within the context of a church that has an established music program and, and leadership is they can do it in the safety of knowing that I've I've created a platform for them to not fail. That's my job. Yeah. My, my job is to create a platform for them to be successful. And so the things that I'm working with them on aren't areas that I'm responsible for. In other words, they're not responsible for the band, they're not responsible for any of the click tracks, any of the backing tracks, none of that stuff. That's my responsibility. My responsibility is for them to be successful. And so they can be up there leading worship knowing that they don't have to carry the weight of all right. that. So they can focus on their gift, they yeah. can focus on their calling, and let me create a platform for yeah. them to be successful. Their success will be contingent upon their level of comfort, and you create that level of comfort exactly. by, by bearing the load, so they can relax in the moment. Right. right. Uh, or when do... I started, it was all on me. Yeah. I mean, I totally. had to do everything. I did all yeah. the programming. Yeah. I had all the small churches where I just had a keyboard and a <laughs> Yamaha drum machine. Uh, it was all on me. I had no one to walk me through that journey. Yeah. And so it's great to be able to see these guys be successful, and like I said, I have some adults, I have some students, I, you know, the, the age ranges, it varies, but they all have a heart to be better and learn and grow. Yeah, with like the school, the school of worship that you have at your church, do a lot of them get that, either get opportunities to lead in some different respects, or what? what is a way of developing them? Or the process? Well, there are, the there are, within the school of worship, there are three different bands. And those three different bands uh, cover a multitude of different venues, whether it's a chapel for our Christian school or whether it's traveling teams promoting the school, uh, different 
different venues, and so we use different people to lead those groups based upon their giftings. Yeah. It's very rare that a student coming into the School of Worship will be ready to lead worship on our right. weekend services. Yeah. Right. That, that hasn't happened yet at a very high level, but I'm open to that. If somebody shows up and they're yeah. they're ready to go, I'm ready to use them. You know, yeah. but, but you have environments already in place for them to be learning right. that are outside of the weekend. Yes setting which is yeah, huge. And, and here's what's unique about it is that in the current cult, church culture where we have no Sunday night service we have three weekend services Saturday night to Sunday morning all identical we're on television live streaming two of those services live radio the morning early morning Sunday service I don't have the opportunity to to, to bring in musicians that are on a developing level we just don't have that opportunity. Right. Where we used to have Sunday night services, yeah. where I could use that to train musicians, yeah. different drummers, different guitar players, different whatever. In our weekend services, because the visibility is so high, I don't have that option. Yeah. But I can have a solid band, a solid musical base, and allow a good vocalist who has a heart to grow and learn. I can. I have to use within the parameters of what I have to develop people, and with the system I have, the worship leader position is the, is the position that I have that I can use to develop people, which I think yeah. is great. That you is ever, great. Have you ever tried in a, like in a rehearsal to just give 10 minutes or 15 minutes to a worship leader to just say, hey, we're going to worship, uh, you're the leader, you you make the, you make the call, we'll follow your cue? I have. There have been train wrecks in that, <laughs> yes, <laughs> honestly, yes. Oh yeah. because... I, Especially those. if no, no, yeah. <laughs> Especially if there was no like heads up on it. Yeah. So in the moment, all of a sudden you just hand this to someone that's unknowingly been handed something, and they're going, "I don't know what to do with this." Um, that that moment kind of overwhelms them, yeah. and they you can tell they're overwhelmed by it. So they're looking at you going. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, and they start to think about all the things that now they're responsible for. Yeah. Cues to the band, you know, listening to the vocals, are we singing the right parts, cueing the congregation, they're overwhelmed by it. Yeah. So I, I learned if I was going to do that, because I'm kind of, there are times when I'm an in-the-moment kind of guy, hey, yeah. well, yes, yes. sometimes that doesn't work, so I'm going to have to have a conversation on the front end, and, hey, let's, and even work through that with them prior to even that, that yeah. setting. And that's why for us in our weekend services, I don't give the worship leaders the flexibility to direct the band. Because I don't want them, that could frustrate them more than be a blessing to them. Plus our church culture, again we use that word, is not to have these incredibly large open spaces of worship. So, so they know ahead of time what that flow is going to be like, you know, just kind of the, from the top down of here's what we're going to Right. They know the format. I, I have found that people are more they're more confident when they know what expects what's expected exactly, of them. Right. Versus me saying, Hey, you just do your thing. I don't know what my thing is. I don't I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. So I don't give them That's that because we don't know what your thing is. That's right. Yeah. So we're trying to figure it out. out. <laughs> no, it's true. I've had some success too with using choir rehearsal. We always do worship to start choir rehearsal. And I use that sometimes to let inspiring worship leaders to, to lead that. Yeah. It's a much lower, you know, visibility position, so. Yeah. I think it all begins in winning winning the battle in the spiritual before anything. 
and so often we get consumed by the the implementation and the process and the systems and how it's going to get executed that sounds very you know not a novel not a novel idea but I mean it's just like why don't you spend some time with God <laughs> um, here's a thought it's a, here's what we're gonna try but I've been I've been guilty of it myself where you get caught up in the administration of a large yeah. department and the scheduling and all of it and um, you, you lose the why why it resonated with you from the beginning and that was the pursuance of God's presence and if, if we can facilitate that and allow people to, to bring their offering to the king more can be done in one moment in his presence than we could plan a lifetime for so win the battle in the spiritual before you do anything else the next topic that we covered during this lunch was on the subject of budgeting. How do you effectively budget or create a revenue stream that you can use to either purchase equipment, maybe you can use that to host a seminar and provide some training for your team that will help in those areas. And so Mike Justice begins talking about areas that you can find revenue streams for your ministry and budget? Boy, it, it really depends on where you're at and what you have access to. Um, I have found in the past that uh, there's great ways of creating revenue stream with communicating and demonstrating excellence and communicating a great vision. I have found people will jump on board personally to finance uh, events. I used to do a large Christmas event in Wisconsin and I had a single donor who would cover all of the printing for the advertising, totally cover that. He would also cover paying for a full page ad in the newspaper every year to, for this event. I didn't ask him for it, he, but I communicated the vision to him, yeah. he bought the vision and, and financed the vision. And so I think not targeting people that have that availability, I think simply by being very vocal about your vision to your department and to the church because people will people of quality want to be a part of something of quality and if they don't know what to buy into or what to jump on board with they're not going to do that people who have influence and people who are givers they will give the things they believe in you see it all the time they're giving money to things they believe in so communicate your vision do what you do with excellence and don't be surprised if people jump on board and want to be a part of that. And and there's nothing wrong with letting your needs be known either. Yeah. In some way, create events that have needs tied to them and say, for this event, we need this piece of equipment or something. And that piece of equipment may be something that you could use all year round. It's like those multicolored windscreens on the tops <laughs> of the SM58s. Exactly. You need a new batch of those. But I think you, you point out a great thing. Because people with the gift of giving want to do more than just pay the ongoing regular bills. Yes. Something unique, something that they know is going to be a blessing to the body of Christ, to the right. kingdom that's going to build the kingdom. But that right. requires the person being able to cast vision for it. Right. Money follows vision. People follow vision. Gifts follow vision. You have to be able to communicate the vision right, in right. a way that's compelling enough for them to say, "This is this is not just a right. 
and, just and, paying the electric right. bill here. And don't be afraid to stick your neck out there. Yeah. Say, for this event, I have a vision to do this. I have no idea how we're going to pay for it, and I don't have the budget for it. But God's put this on my heart, yeah. and we're going to see if God can make this happen. Yeah. yeah. And make sure enough people know about that, and you'd be surprised people want to jump on board. And it can't be presented like, like, you know, I'm just I'm just praying that this will happen, and and I just pray that God will make it happen. No. God honors faith, and if there's a step of faith, God's going to yes. honor that step of faith yeah. by people who will buy into that faith. Yeah. That's just one way that I've seen God uh, use taking uh, a look at what you do as a church and what you do as a department. Typically, the music departments are very connected to the product portion of the church in regards to recordings, CDs, uh, videos, those types of things. Uh, taking a look at whether or not your product is marketable within your congregation and if you can create some marketability of your product internally that's a, it's a completely untapped source of revenue for many churches create a uh, create a, um, a product department within your music and media departments for um, selling product to your congregation whether it's the weekly uh, DVDs of the services whether it's audio recordings whether it's uh, making uh, recording projects with the choir, with the band, with the worship team, selling those. Um, do an annual CD release recording, record it internally, do it cheaply enough that it can be profitable. But just simply by marketing product uh, on your websites and at the church, and have a, you know, create an information center area just for media products so people know that right after church they can go to this desk and order the copy of the service and they'll get a dvd mailed up to that week or something yeah. even if you just have one camera set up that's it's it's one of the greatest sources of revenue because it costs practically nothing well that's the biggest thing many people will look at either the resources they have or what they can see or they right. look at what they don't have and say well i you know how can i pull this off i'm at a church this size, or my ministry is this size, but there's so many things if we just open up our eyes to right. just creatively think, how can right. we do this? Yeah. I think the one thing that I've always respected both of you for, um, maybe, maybe the one main thing, you guys have always built your ministries with this idea that it's uh, bigger than one person, it's bigger than one personality, bigger than one gifting, and you build it with sustainability in mind. You, you build with the end in mind, and if the end in mind means I'm not going to be here forever, and we're all about building the kingdom, then it needs to be transcendent beyond my tenure and my presence. And I've always respected the fact that both of you, as I've watched how you've built ministry and how you've empowered people, has always reiterated this idea that it was less uh, about you, you know, and it was more about creating worshipers, empowering them, discipling them, and giving them opportunity to love, to grow and learn. So I've always, from a distance, always respected that about you guys. Great. Thank you. Really good. Looking at the subject of longevity in ministry and how we've all been involved in, in what we do for a lot of years, still trying to look at how can we keep doing what we're doing. When you love doing what you're doing, how do you keep doing it? Yep. And um, you know, so you have to be creative. How do you serve in a different way that still is um, being obedient to the calling? 
Well, and we just talked about that with, with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're moving into a new role of yep. starting a church. Um, how do you wrap your brain around how you've been vocalist, recording artist, and moving into something that is way different yeah. than that? And uh, yeah, we all have that, yeah, we all have that process that we're working through, but it's just that it's a process. It unfolds on its own. It does. I think one of the the challenges a lot of people have is they don't don't have this of being able to sit and talk with. You know, when I first moved to town, I, I really didn't have, I never had a friend that was a worship pastor in an area. I just didn't. You just do your own thing and you just kind of, um, you know, you called me and were persistent. I'm like, you know, I know my kid, but who's this guy? Who's this guy? uh, It's one of the greatest enemy, uh, greatest tactics of the enemy is isolation. Isolation, Totally. Because real life change and transformation happens in the context of relationship and community. And real growth happens in the context of relationship. I mean, and we community. expect people in our ministry to have community. Exactly, connection. totally. Sure. So, to be able to sit with people of not only like-mindedness in terms of their passion, but like experience, and you aren't isolated and by yourself, and what you're experiencing yeah. sometimes it feels that way, and that's what the enemy would want us to think. But uh, we can relate on so many, so many commonalities. That we get encouraged, we get encouragement yeah. from it yeah. by going, okay, I'm not alone think, in this yeah. thing. Because oftentimes we like to um, we like to evaluate other people from a distance, uh, and we often feel worse about ourselves by doing that because yeah. we think yeah. that everybody else's life is so much better than ours. Yeah. The grass is greener type of concept. Yeah. But you have no idea what they struggle with. You have no That's idea exactly right. what their challenges are. And oftentimes, when you take time to develop a relationship, you realize that. Their challenges are the same as yours. Their, exactly, yeah. their frustrations are the same as, your, as yours, regardless of the church size. Yep. People look at people at larger churches and think that it's that they don't have issues, that they don't have yep. money problems, they don't have people problems, they don't yeah. have scheduling problems, they don't yeah. have. Uh, yes, yes, we do. It's, well, it's the it's the next step after isolation is comparison, Absolutely. which then prohibits you from making the call that you should make yeah. and saying, "Hey, I just." Yeah. Yeah. How do you get through this? How, yeah, how, exactly. You know, what, are, what are some things that have helped you? Yep. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Mike Justice and Devin Webb for being so gracious as to allow me to just record our lunch conversation and be able to share that with you, our listeners. Just a conversation on mentoring others and longevity in ministry and what God is doing in our lives and maybe our approach to ministry. If you have a comment, I'd love for you to go to leadersinworship.com. You can leave a comment right in the post, and we'd love to connect with you, interact with you. And also, if you have a comment or a question for an upcoming episode, you can leave that there as well, or you can leave a voicemail for us, and we can use that on the air for an upcoming episode. Well, if you have been a listener of this podcast... I would love for you to go to iTunes, leave us a starred rating or written review. That helps keep us high on the search rankings as people are trying to find out more 
about worship leading, worship pastoring, and how they can develop in their ministry. As always, I want to thank you for listening and hope that you have found this useful. We want to be a resource that you can use. If you are interested in sponsoring one of the episodes of this podcast, you can also find out more information on our website, leadersinworship.com. Well, I hope that you have an incredible weekend of ministry. Pray that God would just allow you to lead with intention, that you would be able to mentor others, bring other people along with you on the journey. Don't let it be about yourself. Allow other people to join in this process as we grow together in ministry. Well, God bless. Have an incredible weekend of ministry.